0: Hi, I'm Liz Cully, and welcome back to Cool, Cool, Cool. Each week, I give you a glimpse into what I think is cool and chat with a ton of people that are definitely cool. No topic is off bounds unless, I guess, it's not cool. Welcome to Cool, Cool, Cool. Y'all know I've been going through with these interior designers. Let me tell you, I never even thought I could. Have an interior designer come to the house because who even gets those? Well, I'm now, I've gone through two. So it only seemed right to talk to one of the biggest design YouTubers I could find. And actually, you know, I gotta be honest with you, this interview did not go the way I thought it was going to go. I really learned a lot. This is very business like YouTuber focused more than about design nick calls himself a design commentator which i thought was so interesting and i really loved hearing sort of his journey on how he went into the youtube space rachel and i are such big fans of yours and i died when you started to follow me on the internet i was like rachel (laughs) the guy with all the whites the white paints oh and you know what i just realized i'm in her Horrible office, which we can talk about. My white paint in this in her office. We I always joke, I look like I'm being held hostage in this room because she is a therapist mm-hmm. and there's nothing behind me. And I feel like mm-hmm. I'm like, just give them the money before they start cutting off my fingers. There's Fair nothing. Back well, I mean, here. mine's
1: not any better. I used to sort of have a background behind me, but then I gave up. I think a lot of people just sort of gave up trying on the background. But you have some texture, Zoom. Nick. You have some texture. It's a it's a closet door, is what it is. Oh,
0: okay. Uh, I like
1: that you think this is beautiful panel molding. It's not. It's 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 a closet door. But thanks for that. Oh,
0: you're welcome. I I I'm, yeah. I'm into it though. I like it. At least there's yeah. something there. Like I said, texture. I'm just like stark. Um, this yeah. is I believe simply white Benjamin Moore with oh. Chantilly lace ceilings and trim.
1: Simply white is my favorite white. Is it? It is. It's what I have in my um, living room. Actually, I have it in this room as well. It's my favorite white. So that's how you found me, was the white paint? No,
0: it must have been before. Okay. I've shared the white paint with many people and been like, this will explain everything you need to know about white paint because white paint is, I mean, oh my God. It's
1: not just, it's It's a hard subject. Yeah. It is
0: a, it's in, complex. It is very complex. It is so hard. It is impossible and we live in a very old spanish house and so white paint was we actually and i've never done this but we just painted the whole house simply white i mean we had to do an incredible amount of work we had old almost like plastic wallpaper in every room they mm. they only did one upgrade and that was apparently in the 1970s when they read when they gutted the beautiful original 1928 kitchen Mhm. And they made it red orange uh hacienda very 70s. And then they put wallpaper and like plastic wallpaper in all the room. Like the vinyl stuff. Yeah. yeah. Vinyl which took 2 weeks to remove. So, I found you I no, Rachel found you. I have to give credit where credits due. Rachel found you and I started following you and then somehow you started following me back and I really felt validated in my online presence when you followed me. Yeah.
1: That. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. You feel like you've made it. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for that. I don't, I remember you messaging me. I remember you sending me a DM and you were just like, oh my God, you follow me back. And I had about seven exclamation points. So I knew you were excited. Mm, and I was excited as well. And, um, and here we are. What?
0: So yeah. I, I went on your LinkedIn, I like saw that you have or had have had corporate jobs, so to speak. But Mm. now it sounds like you're full on content creator. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. Yes. I always, um, I joke, I'm like Madonna, like reinvent myself every seven years or so. Like I was a corporate person. I worked in HR for seven, eight years, something like that. I mean I
0: I don't think you've listened I and there's just no problem but I will tell you just because in case you go back and start listening into the archives I mm. do often remind people that HR is not your friend. I just I just want to make sure because I've interviewed yeah. so many different people that used to be yeah. HR and I'm like oh god it's always kind fun charismatic people and I you have yeah. to remind yourself snitches get stitches, like don't tell them anything, (laughs) just fucking negotiate your comp package, be nice, fill out the paperwork on time and get out of there. That's how I am with HR people, you know? I
1: think that's fair. I think the thing is, is I used to always say it's like HR is not on manager side. It's not on the employee side. It's on the company side. And so people think the employee advocacy piece, which is there, like when I worked in HR, like I advocated for employees, but it was never public. That's also the thing is a lot of the stuff that HR does is behind the scenes. You can't say what you're working on. And so you always look like a dick. You get no credit when things go well. And you get all the blame when things go bad. Mm -hmm. Right? It's like, you know, when like, there was the whole me too stuff. And everybody was like, where is the HR department? And I was like, Oh, I know where they were, like, they knew exactly what was going on. They were probably doing what they do, which is advocate a little bit behind the scenes, but ultimately when the CEO is the one who's exposing himself in his office, who are you supposed to complain to is the HR, right? Like who, who are you supposed to, you know? And that, that was a lot of the work is you might do some employee advocacy behind the scenes, but that's usually because managers oftentimes are the bigger problem, let's be honest. Mm, totally. And so you're always educating managers on, hey, maybe you shouldn't be such a dick. And that's that piece that's happening behind the scenes that you don't know about. But you're always advocating on the part of what's best for the company. And sometimes what's best for the company is firing managers. Sometimes what's best for the company is firing people. Sometimes it's advocating for employees. Sometimes it's not, right? Like it's, but this idea that like we're some therapist that's there to- no you know, guide you through your career journey. No. So long as it suits the company, for sure. But like, not really. Mm, um, no. And I ultimately didn't love it. I sort of fell into it after I graduated from... I got, Originally, it was marketing that I was in. And then graduated from marketing. Didn't really want to work in marketing. Couldn't really get a job. And then someone was like, hey, do you want to work in HR? And I was like, yeah, sure, I guess. Why not? And then then that was like... And that was right around financial crisis time. 2008, Right. So yeah. there was not really... You know, and so you just kind of had to work with what you got. And so I was in HR for a number of years, worked for a company called Booking, which Booking.com, like huge hotel yeah. reservation company in Amsterdam. Yeah, I worked there for a couple of years. Left, opened a juice bar, which is another whole story. Um, Did that for like five years, sold the juice bar, realized I like building and designing stores more because I had a few stores at the time, I had like 35 staff and realized I like designing stores and building new stores more than I liked actually operating a juice bar. Which you'd think I would have thought that through before I opened one, but I did not. And that was really during the whole like juice craze. I don't know if you remember like the mid 2010s. Are you kidding the me?
0: I am a everywhere. person from San Francisco, from California. I've yes. had an eating disorder for <laughs> as long as I can remember. I had right. and still have in my garage the original Jack LaLanne. I was on... Juicing before people were really into juicing. I really, Really yeah, I was on juicing. I did the celery. I, I mean, I was like modeling. I mean, I really, I was on the juicing early. You did it all. I did. Yeah. I so love juice. This I was like fresh juice, juice this cleansing morning. was
1: everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was very much like, well, if you're in San Francisco, so Project Juice, of course. Press Juicery, right? All of those guys. Yeah. So very similar. Ultimately, kind of got to a point where I was like, I'm not really having fun anymore. And I feel like I took the business as far as I could take it. Sold to another juice company, which was the right move. Worked for some crazy person for a while. Did not do well with working for somebody who I really didn't respect and love. And then really struggled for what to do next. And. Um, I did my own renovation and realized I really like design. Well, I always knew that I love design. I spent years always, as I said, I worked with interior designers and contractors and stuff while I was building out the juice bars and did my own thing and decided that I wanted to start another business like I had before. So I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur again, didn't know what it was going to be. And then realized some of the challenges around finding things like plumbing fixtures and lighting fixtures and whatever. So I decided to open my own like business where I would be a direct to consumer company to sell some of these more designer pieces that you don't really think about that you're typically are really expensive because you got to go to a really expensive showroom. Um And so I started my own business there. And then I realized that I needed to market it. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, how am I going to like sell lighting fixtures and faucets and things and decided like, well, I knew influencer marketing worked really well for me at the juice company. And so I kind of thought, instead of paying influencers, why don't I try to like not be one, but I thought, hey, if I could create content about what I've learned in design, people could maybe be like, hey, I've learned something here. Oh, I need a new light or I need a new, you know, I'm thinking about renovating my bathroom or whatever. And then my brand would sort of be in the background. And then I would use that as like a marketing channel to sell product. That was the vision. And then the YouTube channel just really started to take off. And it's sort of, I realized that. This became, you got to go where the traction is, right? And I realized I was getting a lot more traction on the channel growing so quickly, that I realized, oh, I can monetize this, right? And actually, what started out as a marketing channel to sell my other business that I was working on, which never really super got off the ground, it was always very kind of in the testing phases, very small product lineup, things like that. And then you know, I started making money and then it was like, oh, I had YouTube AdSense and then I had like a thousand subscribers and then I had 17,000 subscribers and then I had a hundred thousand subscribers all within the space of a few months. And so it was just really like crazy. And so then I decided, oh, I should just do this. And (laughs) from from there on, I like had this little business in the background that was like, wait, I'm not, I don't like, this is a totally different business. The reality is, is this is a content business. This is a-
0: Yeah, a hundred percent.
1: Uh, this is a biz, This is a, and so I realized, oh, I could do brand deals, and I could do YouTube AdSense, and like I could make more money on media content stuff. And the whole direct-to-consumer business just sort of fell away because it was just like not where I was spending my time, and it's not what I really love to do. So I, I sort of accidentally turned. Long story short, I guess I accidentally turned a marketing channel to try to sell a business I was sort of working on that was in very early stages, and then that became a media business, sort of accidentally. And here I am, three years later, (laughs) still making videos. Look
0: at that! I mean, wow, what a journey! I, yeah, you really can. I mean, it it has to be a focus and a full time job, though. I think to really see the fruits of your labor, I think sometimes. I mean, sometimes you can just hit and it works, but when you're making content that people want so much of and so much volume, because. I feel like once I watch one of your videos, I'm like, cool, I have another question. Or like, what about, Mm -hmm. I mean, I hate gray, but I think you hate gray too. I can't remember. Or maybe you have mixed feelings on gray. I can't remember. I
1: I think gray is a fine neutral, but I think the all gray spaces that we have seen in kind of 2017 to 2022, like the, the builder special of like the the pale gray flooring, Oof. the gray walls, the gray furniture, the gray decor, it's like everything really just feels bummer. really cold and sterile. That I don't love. But gray as a color, if you want to put a gray throw in an otherwise colorful, fine, go for it. Like it's it's a fine neutral, just like black or white or anything else is a fine neutral. But I think gray can feel really overwhelming.
0: Yeah, it can just feel
1: It's heavy. Gray. Um, yeah.
0: But yeah, I mean, it becomes like you're pumping out tons of content. Now, are you being asked to design friend spaces or like would you take projects on as well, especially in kind of the name of creating more content?
1: I get asked a lot. I've resisted it the whole time. And the reason is just because I've really focused in as a business that it's a content media business. And so the only way I would do it, like you just alluded to there, is if I could do something that is content. It's just not worth it to trade by time for money. That sounds arrogant, but it's not. It's basically like if someone were to pay me an hourly to go be like, hey, Nick, do you want to help me on this project to go style a space? I'd rather, it's probably not only more lucrative, but it's probably more impactful and better use of my platform for me to spend that time rather than doing hourly consulting stuff to actually just create more content. Um, So I've, I've sort of kept myself in that lane um, now, having said that, if I were to do, you know, a design series where I would sort of like renovate my own home and turn that into a series or build a house or renovate another friend's house or something and have it be sort of maybe sponsored by a brand and then make content out of it, that is really interesting. But I probably don't see the need to necessarily like charge for that project because um, that's just not really my thing, right? Then Then you're now a consulting business, not really so much a content business. But having said that, I mean... I listen to everything, any proposal that someone brings my way, but um, I've never found it makes a ton of sense for me.
0: Interesting. It's so interesting that you focus in, it's good. You have like such parameters, I think, about what and a focus about what you're doing and what your business is. I don't have any of that. I constantly (laughs) am doing this, that, that, this, this, this all over the place, which is why I'm very tired and have to get regular Botox and fillers so that I don't look as dead as I feel. Um, Yeah, here's the thing. Rachel and I have been approached now
1: Hmm. by
0: HGTV twice, Magnolia once, we just kind of had the best case scenario happen with Visio where people want to come and like design a room or do whatever. And we mm-hmm. thought, hey, like we don't have a ton of money. This would be great. I have, you know, my stuff that I have going on. I'm not like a hu- I'm not like you. I don't have a huge presence online, but I'm like an interesting character in the mix of yeah, how I get again, operate. For sure. Well, I just, we're, you know, it's a different world, right? So it's like, I'm around, but like not, but it's fine. But I'm happy to do it. We both have worked on productions before. I also think from a production standpoint, people are like, okay, they know what's involved in this and what's not. But here's the problem. The Mm. problem, and I don't know if you're familiar with this, is they ruin your home. You don't have any say and you pay for it
1: right so you're talking about so hgtv has approached you to say hey we have a show and we want to come in and renovate yes. your space but you have to pay for the renovation we're going to ruin your house and but you'll be on television
0: correct and you have no say in the design and right i'm like that's psychotic that's mm-hmm. not happening i do have a friend who was on hgtv she's a celebrity and they just Destro- like literally she fell through the floorboards because it wasn't real and so it's so interesting i get i know it's so crazy and she ended up like yeah. suing them for some and she should have i mean it was crazy what they did because the mm. thing is it's completely unrealistic you know I, you built your store like you have a timeline but you don't rush a major renovation with plumbing and electrical and if you're knocking down walls in like Four weeks, even six weeks is pretty unrealistic, depending on the project that you're doing, along oh, yeah. with filming, doing pickups, all of this kind of stuff. But we totally. had, we were supposed to do a, a Home Depot commercial two weeks ago. And I was really excited about it because I, the kind of trade of it all, and usually at this point, I'll say no, but it came our way and they wanted to like crazy Christmas design our living room. So it wasn't any like, building fabrications it was just only decorating which i was like great the only thing i ask for is for my yard i want an animatronical deer that's all i asked i was thinking the ones that are see-through lights i live in la i live near the studios our neighborhood goes crazy for halloween and for christmas and i like to have a christmas party what ended up happening was is we asked too many questions we were too specific about production They took a picture of our house and they said, your house is too nice, we're scared, we're gonna fuck it up. Here's the money and here's the Christmas decor, which by the way, they did get me a six foot by four foot animatronical deer, but it's only for inside. It's like a huge stuffed animal pony.
1: That's easy to put in the living room.
0: Yeah. yeah. But And they ended up like passing on us because they're like, we're really concerned that we're gonna destroy your house. And I thought to myself, Well, this is the best case scenario because I did get the Christmas decor and they didn't destroy my house. Unfortunately, though, when I opened up said box, it's nothing I ever would have designed my house for. So
1: this is always it. Yeah, this is
0: it. You know? Yeah, this is it.
1: It's it's tricky. I mean, I don't know. I'm actually like I've recognized also that I'm fairly lazy. Like I also I'm really good at (laughs) assessing how much work is this going to be like when a brand approaches me and I look other, I look at other, it's like, there's value to your time. And so you also have to think, although sometimes I have to resist the urge to look at other creators and go like, gosh, that person is killing it because they are doing some really amazing, super cool, fabulous content. But I also now know the work that goes into the content that these people create. You know what I mean? Like I look at like Mr. Kate or like Alexandra Gator or like, Lone Fox or these creators are spending a lot of time and effort into doing branded and unbranded content. And I realized, gosh, I'm lazy. Like I just sit in my chair and just make fun of stuff. Like well, I am- Lone <laughs> Fox is what, 20,
0: he's what 23 years old or something? Like. Yeah, so
1: he's sitting there like, oh, let me just build a sofa out of like chewing gum and a cardboard box. And I'm like, oh, that's impressive and that he's it able it to brown. do that. Yeah, I mean, paint
0: brown. And paint it brown and, and Mr. Like, it's, it's Kate, crazy. I, I've worked with her for many, back in the day when I did brand deals for YouTubers, and that's like a well-oiled machine. I mean, listen, I get it. I think assessing what you have time for and what you can do and and passing on things so that you can make sure that your content feels authentic to you and helpful to your audience. I think that's like- Because there's a pretty much There's a
1: cost to it, right? So it's like, if you're looking at some of these projects, some of these brands they want you to do, especially in the home decor interior design space, oftentimes what they want you to do is a lot of work and will take a lot of time. And so when you're assessing these projects, I'm I'm not saying I don't do them, but I am saying, you know, you have to assess the amount of work behind some of these projects and what you're actually going to be getting. Because these brands are just like, we're going to pay you your rate. And some brand will pay you your rate to do something really simple and straightforward. And some brands will pay you your rate and then do something that's completely over the top, like, you know, please redesign, your entire living room for this much money or something. And it's like, you just have to assess sort of the cost that goes into that. And I think I am pretty discerning, I would say, I guess, in terms of some of the projects. So I have had, you know, HGTV and and those places, or even like small production companies that then sell sure. their, their content or whatever yeah. to HGTV or Magnolia or any of these places. And it's never always like worked out. I don't know. There's always something that it's just... It, it, it goes sideways. I don't know. It's usually sometimes they come to me and they're like, What show would you want to build? And I'm like, I don't know. You tell me. Like, isn't that your job? <laughs> like, you, I don't know. Like, you've seen my content. Like, I basically got a demo reel on, on YouTube. Feel free to like, Think of if there's something oh, that you think Nick, would work for me. welcome
0: to entertainment, my I friend. I know. I
1: was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening to you being job? like,
0: "Ooh, that's so interesting." That the production <laughs> yeah. and development companies have asked you to do all of. Them. Welcome to my yeah. world.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is like a little bit, and then they're just like, "Oh, we could approach, you know, Netflix, or we can approach whoever these little, these people." And it's like, "Okay, cool." I, I don't know. The reason I love YouTube is that you really do have the autonomy. Like I think YouTubers love to complain about YouTube and we have, we, we, we can, we do. Like people do complain all the time about monetization, about how come, um, you know, certain things are demonetized, certain things aren't. Certain things get copyright, you know, copyright strikes here and there, whatever. People, YouTubers love to complain about YouTube. But at the end of the day, it's like we actually get to create whatever we want. My next video on Saturday, whatever I want it to be, right? If the audience goes there with me, then I can make and do whatever content I feel like it. And every time I sort of wade in the waters of traditional media, it all, even Netflix, I know is new school, but let's be honest, they're still playing with the same sort of framework that the networks have had in place for a long time as you can see with the recent strikes, right? They're sort of all in the same sort of category. It's like they're playing in that space. And ultimately, you're controlled a lot and you're told what to do and who your sponsors are. And and it just feels a little bit more rigid than in YouTube, where I really do have the autonomy to make and do whatever I, I, I want and say whatever I want to say, right? I mean, that's, if you've seen my videos, I don't always have an opinion that is shared by a lot of people and is not always like, like, so you take a brand like Wayfair. I actually think Wayfair is really fun to work with. I have done sponsored stuff with Wayfair. I literally am working with them on something today. I was working on something with Wayfair. But I've made fun of Wayfair in the past. I literally have a video on my channel that's like, buy this, not that, the best and worst products at Wayfair. And I made fun of stuff on Wayfair. And yet the brands still come. Like, you know what I mean? I can say what I want. And so long as the audience goes there with me, there's a path to make a business out of it. And I think yeah. that's really cool about YouTube. But in the conventional... Like oh by the way the sponsor or the we're working with Home Depot or Wayfair on this and it's like okay you know you can't say this you can't say that you can't you know what I mean it's a, and then you got the networks and you got the agents and the managers and I mean you live in L A you know what you live in this world more than I do it just yeah there's so not the autonomy that I have on on no. social right now
0: yeah I mean it's funny I just did a panel of podcasters kind of talking about the state of podcasting and and we talked about that and it's tough when people are telling you what to do. A lot of the audience is very familiar with also, I've had some pretty big trials and tribulations with interior designers since we moved here. Mm -hmm. We hired a girl who was really fabulous, actually, from a design. She did a lot, but she disappeared. She was very, I think, overwhelmed. She just started the business. You know, we kind of we knew that we knew she was brand new. She'd come from a styling background, but I really liked her aesthetic. I liked that she was really scrappy. But then what I ultimately didn't like is that she completely disappeared and went on vacation. And I had to be like, girl, I've paid you for curtains. It's nine months later. What? And then my wife did what we we know we are not supposed to do. But we Google searched who the vendor was, found that person who said, your curtains have been here ready to go for a long, long time, and I lost my mind. I then went on Instagram, and this is where I wanna, I wanna get your opinion. I then went on Instagram, found another person I thought was really, really talented, hired them, and then they went completely out of scope, tried to charge us for 60 hours of work that was never authorized, presented us with something that literally couldn't have been more opposite than every note, every email, the two meetings that we had and really truly a huge waste of money and time. Now I have resolved that I'm just going to do it my goddamn self. What advice would you give to somebody like me in this moment?
1: In terms of how to work with designers or, or how to not. do it on or your own. like do yeah. you
0: see this happening? Like do you think there is I mean I don't I, I guess you're right. I I didn't even ask you a clear question since I'm so defeated and and uh I don't even know, sad about the whole thing. Yeah. Do you feel like folks should be empowered through content like yours to just do it on their own? I have friends that are like, you cannot do this on your own. You have to hire someone, which is the pressure I felt. I hired two different people and they both kind of fell apart at the seams. And it's not cheap, you know, and I don't- I, you know, I worked in two interior design firms. I actually spent two years going through interior design school. That's for another story where I realized that I absolutely hated CAD, couldn't deal. Yeah. It was like four o'clock in the morning before my final. I was like building a model, trying to do a fucking CAD test. And I was like, you know what? I no, i can't do it. I'm, I'm never going to survive yeah. the next two years of school. My father's a, a pretty well-known structural engineer so i grew up on sites like i grew up kind of in the world right so i respect the the craft but the i'm here yeah. left being like can i do this on my own like should i at this point just do it on my own i don't know and if you say yes do it on your own what should i how does one go about doing that
1: yeah so lot to unpack there i would say that <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> no can you that's tell good. i'm
0: really um, upset <laughs>
1: No, I'm with you. I get it. And I felt it because I have worked with several contractors. And I still get people that ask me, you know, here in Vancouver, where they're just like, hey, do you have a great contractor that you recommend? And I'm like, no, like, I I know some people that they say are good. And I met them through my work, but I've never personally hired them. And I can't vouch for their, uh, their projects, because it's a it's a hard business, but, you know, bailing on you for nine months, there's no excuse for that, I would say, because a lot of what you're paying for when you're hiring an interior designer is project management. So they really shouldn't, a lot of people, I don't think, really realize that, that a lot of what the interior design, assuming, you know, obviously the scope of the project depends on the statement of work and all that stuff. But generally speaking, an interior designer should help you get so far as the general contractor, if you don't have one already, doing the quotes, you know, pick helping you pick a contractor and helping you do the deficiency walkthrough at the end of it all. They should sort of pass on some of this stuff to the contractor if you have one. But then at the end, they should help you with the deficiency walkthrough and sort of wrap things up. So hiring a designer that has a strong project management background, background I think, is really important. Uh, it's not just about choosing pretty things. And I always say that on my channel, too, that, you know, what I talk about. I'm not. I don't say I'm an interior designer. I don't think I'm a substitute for an interior designer in the same way because I also very much respect the profession and know that they do a lot of work that I don't touch on. Like I'm not touching on you know electrical and code and plumbing fixtures and 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 I'm not because no one's gonna. I'm a content. I'm a. It's a. It's New Yorker contentast, right? I mean, it's a. It's a marketing. It's a media thing. And so, in the media world, people like to watch the 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 sexy stuff. They want me to make fun of stuff on Home Sense. They don't want me to necessarily make like talk talk about, you know, the, the ins and outs of plumbing. Although, and A, I don't probably know, and B, because there's better people out there on YouTube to do that. So I always focus on the nice, fluffy stuff. And that's, that's intentional, because that's the stuff that gets views. And that's the stuff that people want from me. But designers do a lot of other work as well, including project management and choosing, you know, the different uh, specifics and Dealing with the client one on one, and that's part of the reason why at the beginning, when we talked earlier, I don't want to necessarily do a lot of client work because I know that's a very different and difficult business that right. I don't want to be involved in. Because I think, at the end of you know, I'm a content person. That's what I do. Now, to answer the question of can you do it yourself, I always look at it in terms of because you said like kind of where do you know where do I fit in that process? Well, I always look at it as like people like me and on YouTube, we give very general advice for really general problems, right? General solutions for general problems, right? So how do you choose a couch? I'm gonna give you five tips on how to choose a couch. It's not going to be super specific to the couch you actually end up buying, but it's going to help you along. And it is going to make sense for the three or four or 500,000 people that are gonna watch that couch video. General advice for a very general, like general solutions for general problems, basically. If you want specific advice for your very specific problem, you need to hire something like a designer. Yeah. So I think it really depends on where you're at. If you are a person that thinks you can take it over the finish line with that, I know specifically how I'm. What, you know what I want, and you feel like you're the person you have. You know the skills to execute on that. Then yeah, you can. But if people leave me comments on videos like my how to choose a couch video being like, Nick, I'm debating between this couch and this couch for this particular space in this particular living room. Like, I can't do that for 500,000 people or 100,000 people. Oh,
0: I would be
1: crazy. It would be crazy. So I can't give specific answers. So I guess it really depends on you. Do you think that you can take some tips from a person like me and create a space that's really beautiful and works for you. If you have kind of a bit of an eye for it, if you have some education, you think you're skilled enough in that area to be able to, to, do it, to do it, then sure. But if you want a beautiful magazine-worthy space, but you have no idea where to start, and you were looking for specific answers to some of these questions, then I'm not the person probably to to, to take you there, right? You can get some, a little bit of advice from me, but ultimately the interior designer, you know, or a stylist or someone who has a skill set that is specific, that's actually going to walk into your home and be like, here's what we're going to do. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. The only trouble is when you hire someone who says that to you, you have the meetings, you do the mood boards, and then they come to your house and they present you with the actual complete opposite of what you asked for and yeah. about $350,000 out of scope that you never asked for and doesn't address any of your needs. That was a real bummer. But yes. um, you make such a strong distinction that you are not an, ind- I love it, you're so clear. Like listening, I am not, I told you, I warned you, I am not clear. <laughs> but you yep. are so clear. I Some of my interior designer friends who I have not hired because some of them are quite out of my budget, but I love them dearly. It's fine. Uh, one Kelly Worsler, who she and I had a long talk about the rise of the Instagram interior designer during COVID. Because I feel like everyone was at home. Everyone was thinking about their couch. Everybody was thinking about like, this is the only place that I'm going to be, you know, nobody. Yeah,
1: this place can... sucks, I need to fix it. Totally. Yeah.
0: What is your take on that? Do you think people should be calling themselves maybe design enthusiasts or experts? Does it bother you? Do you not care? Do you just not even get involved in that debate? Like, where do you stand there?
1: I try not to get in that debate, but I will say that... It's tough because I think that I have had people that are critical of me because they are like, well, he's not a real designer. He And I just think it's very interesting because my answer to that is like, again, it's that clarity that is so clear, like it's so clear to me. Then I'm like, you know, this is YouTube, babe. Like, I'm not, I'm not here trying to steal your clients, you know? Like if, if you're like, actually like, oh, I say
0: no to your clients.
1: <laughs> I, I don't want your clients. I'm happy to refer if I think you're good, but like that's not that's not the game I'm playing. And so when a person who is well, Kelly Werster does not really fit super in, like into this category, but when there are designers that are interior designers and that is their profession, that is what they do, and then they have TikTok, Instagram, YouTube channels, and that's where they share. Their thing. I'm kind of like, it's it's the ones who it really bothers, is the ones that don't get the same views, or they don't get the same traction as me, and they feel an entitlement that they should because they're real designers and I'm not. And my answer to that is like, again, it's like, it's YouTube, like, it's media. If if I have more clicks than you, or if I get more views, you know, I'm not going to apologize for it. It's that's just, that's media, right? Like, it's for whatever reason, the audience seems to connect with my points, my personality, my whatever that seems to have. Resonated, and uh, that, I'm sorry if that sounds arrogant, but it's like I'm not trying to be your competition. So in that sense, they're almost like interior designers. It's like that that question I said at the beginning: like, what is your business, right? And like for them, it's like, are you an interior design business, a consulting business that has YouTube as a marketing channel? In which case, who cares if you get five hundred thousand views or a thousand? If you land some clients out of it, you're you're good, right? Like you don't need to be worried about what I'm doing because what I'm doing is. Almost designed commentary, right? Like it's. Ooh, it's, yes. I'm, designed I'm like commentary. Therapy. I'm like I'm like like a, a dwell, but in like a more you know with more of a like a personality attached to it. It's it's like I don't know. I watch a lot of cooking channels, and I don't care if they're all chefs. It doesn't bother me. Some of them are chefs. Some of them aren't. Some of them are classically trained. Some of them are just people living at home in their kitchen and just like cooking recipes. It doesn't matter if the if the lasagna is good. I mean, does it really matter to me, the viewer? I think sometimes people take a lot of that stuff really, really seriously. And I think it's because people feel a bit threatened by it. And so I personally don't, you know, I think people can play the game of who's more qualified. You know, so and so went to an interior design school. So and so went to a better interior design school. So and so has this many clients. So and so has this show on Netflix. Like, who cares? Like, just if people are enjoying what you do, you know, be focused on who, you, what your business is, who is your customer, who is the person that you care about. For me, I'm a media business, it's my it's my audience. That's everything to me. I'm not trying to sell them additional services. And so that's how I sort of focus my business. So sure. I I try to focus less on who has more credentials, who has more subscribers, who has more this or that. I just think that's kind of a waste of time. So it doesn't bother me if a person calls themselves at a I don't ever really call myself an interior designer. Uh that that label has been thrown at me because people you know articles are written or whatever and they're like nick lewis interior designer says blah 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 and sometimes i think they do that less out of like credentials and more just because that's what people that's the term that people know most people most people don't know or care if a person is an interior designer or not. It's not like a doctor, you know what I mean? Or a lawyer. I mean, not to say I don't respect their profession in the same way, but like most lay people don't really know who's a stylist and who's a designer and who's just an enthusiast. Like most people don't care. So it's usually out of convenience that people just use these terms. Yeah, I'm curious what you think though. Like, so was was Kelly looking, not to say like, was she more looking at it as the Instagram person has changed the game or? No,
0: it was more like us talking about sort of different industries. I mean, this was a long time conversation and just about, you know, how interiors have kind of exploded, really. I mean, I think a lot, and it's funny you bring up chefs and cooks. I have a lot of friends that are incredible chefs and very trained and well-known and are on Food Network and whatever. And I love to cook and I make my little Instagram cooking videos and people love it. You know, and I'm not trained. I just worked in restaurants and do my thing. So I think you have a really great perspective on it. I agree. I think that it is. I think with the democratization of content, it is such an interesting and amazing place to be a consumer. It also can get mm-hmm. scary because, to your point, like no one's fact checking really anymore. Like who you yep. are and what you do, and that becomes an entire other conversation, especially when it comes to news and what have you. And we've seen a lot of misinformation being totally. put out there. But I do love the fact, like when I first started in the in-, in the entertainment industry, it was so hard to get a show on. It was so hard to get your content out there. It was, you know, YouTube had started, but even still. A lot of the content that was on YouTube was really specific. It was like makeup tutorials and gaming. There was a little bit of life travel in there with like some tech Casey. in there,
1: but like yeah.
0: yeah, like reviews, right? And that's yeah, root, fine. Apple
1: iPhone reviews, yeah, totally. Yeah,
0: and now you have like proper television shows on that rivalled proper television shows on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok and the whole nine yards. And so, I think that it can become quite overwhelming. But to your point, if you like stay in your lane of like media content it's actually like very exciting so yeah i I yeah. agree i mean listen a lot of people for me again i don't have a big audience for whatever reason i get up and down like my following count is very fucking weird whatever however the people the small strong mighty amazing followers that i do have happen to be like incredibly loyal, but then a lot of them are also like celebrities. So some brands come to me and they're like, Hey, you have like 12,000 followers, but like a quarter of them have millions of followers themselves. So like, you're an interesting person to have because those people don't follow a lot of people, but they follow you. Right. That's like a lot Mm. of feedback that I get where it's like, Oh, like, what are you up to? You know? So I've had to sort of let or I'm actively trying to let that go because I think we it costs a lot of money and time you talk about being protective of your time in terms of like taking on different brand deals this is a lot of energy and a lot of time and so sometimes I'm like oh I want to be paid appropriately or I'd love bigger deals so I think that kind of stuff can come up but yeah I think you know the more and more we can sort of take content into our own hands mm-hmm. to your point your audience is going to come to you because they've fallen in love and and found a real interest in what you're talking about so they keep coming back to you which is great yeah
1: and i think too it's like interior designers um i look at it as sometimes design and architecture is sort of similar kind of in this category is there exclusive no pun intended exclusive by design because the thing is what a lot of designers who hires designers Usually, not always, but oftentimes, it's people that are wealthier than your average, right? Your average person is going to Target, going to Home Goods, going to Ikea, going to whatever. They're not going to hire an interior designer. And the idea of $350,000 being out of scope is also laughable for most people, right? Because Bananas. the idea is, is the that's, whole that's their entire house. It, <laughs>
0: like, The whole thing crazy. of it was so insane. It was just, and I'm still dealing with it, which is why I'm obviously so touchy, but it was so insane. Disrespectful, actually. I think as yeah. Well. To be
1: so, and, and the assumption that that would even like be in the realm of like a rounding error is obviously ridiculous. And that's the thing is like interior designers, and again, love them dearly, really respect their work, but oftentimes they have to dress the part, look the part, act the part, talk the part. Do they're they're, they're trying to give a certain image of exclusivity, right? Because they're trying to think of who they're trying to attract. They're trying to attract a very narrow. I would say top 1%, 5%, 10%, whatever of the income bracket that can actually really afford their services because their services are expensive, because we're asking them to come into people's homes and do incredibly detailed work with CAD, you know, all the work that goes into the concept, all the way through to the project management to the delivery of the final and beautiful home. It's it's a lot of work and that's why they charge what they charge. But unfortunately, we live in a world, of course, where that is quite exclusive to some very sort of generally higher net worth individuals. And so what does that mean? Well, it means that most designers and stylists, they look the part, they want to be in certain magazines, they want to project a certain image on their social, and it's not particularly accessible to the 90% of the people that are out there. So what I think is really funny if people look at disparagingly on sort of YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, is that yes, a lot of that stuff is still out there, but most of the people like me that aren't trying to sell you services, we, I don't care if you watch a video talking about my favorite items from Restoration Hardware or my favorite items from Walmart, a view is a view, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's generally much more accessible to most people. Some of my most watched videos are stuff from Ikea, because people love a deal. Most people, the 90% that don't hire interior designers love a deal. And so these are the people that are watching my channel. And so, you know, for most interior designers, they've never really been all that interested, again, intentionally so, in really attracting an audience or connecting with most middle class, working class people, because they can't afford their services. They don't it's not their market, right? Now, that's not true for all designers. There is a lot of designers that work more with your 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 small families and things like that. But for the most part, you know, most... I did not grow up with a background, for example, where my family was like, oh, let's go hire an interior designer for our kitchen. Like, I didn't even know that was a job when I was growing right, up. Right, because right, Because I didn't... That's not even in my family's background. Like, we don't hire designers. That's what other people do. Like, that's people that drive Mercedes and live in like much fancier houses than we did. That's not us. We're like, buy a Toyota and uh, a used Toyota and do it yourself. Go to Ikea, go to, you know, whatever, the Walmarts of the world. And if you're fancy, you might go somewhere like crate and barrel, but probably you're not going to buy anything because you can't afford it, right? So I think most of my audience is that 90%, the people that are looking for accessible design and they don't have the, the privilege of being able to go out and hire an interior designer. So I think that also needs to be involved in the sort of the conversation. A lot yeah. of, I think, what the mass media is able to do, people like YouTube, people like me, we're able to speak to an audience that generally interior designers that are classically trained and do wonderful work, they're not able to really fulfill or, or really appeal to them, nor do they probably really want to.
0: Yeah, no, fair enough. Okay, if someone came to you And they're Hmm. like, I can only shop at one place. Here we go. My mother-in-law said to me for our wedding that she is going to get us a gift card for interior design from one place and one place only. Thinking about the masses, thinking about the 90%. Where should I tell my mother-in-law to get me the gift card?
1: Hmm. And this is, oh, this is hard. And this is for you or this is for me? No, like, this, this, is this is for, for like anybody. an
0: audience. This is like somebody asking you. Everybody. Rant. Everybody. I oh, mean, honestly, it could be for me too, but yes.
1: This is tough. It really depends on your, well, see, I would say, so there's three, There's okay. So there's me, there's you, and then there's your average person. So your average person no, You're- average person. I, oh.
0: I I mean, this is crazy, but I feel like my answer would be controversial, but I'm saying like, what, I mean, Like is
1: your answer like Target or Amazon or?
0: No, my answer might be like Lowe's or Home Depot.
1: Right, yeah, practical. Because That's I a thing, so-
0: fucking live in Home Depot for a variety of reasons. Not only for like fixtures, this, that, and the other, but like all the planting material, cleaning supplies, random shit that I've had to buy to like make sure other things don't fall apart. Like I and Lowe's is just too far, it's not close to me. So I would say Home Depot. Or I might even say like an Overstock.
1: Yeah, like you so that's the route. So okay, so my answer isn't really an answer, but I'm going to give it to you. Is basically if you're going for something like I don't know who the person, it's just like a generic listener, sorry I don't know you. I don't know where you shop. <laughs> then yeah, something like a Home Depot, a Lowe's, Oh, I hate home goods, but well, I don't hate, hate, hate home goods, but it's fine. But like I something think like home that Goods, and Ikea. I'm, I'm going like, to say it
0: right here on air. I think home goods is a sham. I used to think home <laughs> goods was so incredible. I think I was like convinced by p- other people. I don't know who I was convinced by. I live next to two home goods. Yeah. And let me tell you, I never find anything in there. I bought like p- random mm-hmm. pasta bowls because I like needed white bowls for a dinner party I was doing. I have spent so much time perusing the aisles in home goods, never find a goddamn thing in that place. Yeah,
1: the reason I would say that, is, so I used to get asked all the time when I first started my channel, like, can you do a home goods haul? Because I feel like in 2020, 2021, like when I started on YouTube, that was really popular. And I resisted it because I was like, but I don't like home goods. So finally, I decided to do a video called buy this, not that the best and worst products at home goods. And I did where I made fun of stuff and I still do this to this day on the channel. And I feel like I was quite alone on YouTube by like not doing the home goods hauls and just basically being like, I don't like home goods and here's why. It was very controversial, I felt at the time. But anyway, that's about home goods. But I would say that only because worst case scenario, you can pick up like a stob, like Dutch oven or something. You know what I mean? Like worst case scenario, you can find something that might work. So I would say like generic, dear generic listener, I would say, yeah, something like that. An Amazon, for example, you can pick up anything. Now, really my answer is what is actually in your style? Like, what is your style? And is there a particular retailer that you like? But so what if you're I like do a young
0: person, you're you 30 know. years old, and you don't even know what your style is. You like follow people on Instagram who are like in Architectural Digest and Dwell, and you're like, well, of course I like that, but of I can't I afford can't it. That. Like, where would you tell them, okay, my mother-in-law is like, you're 30, you guys are just getting married. This is where I'm gonna, you know, give you a decent sized gift card.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing is it's like because so many of my favorite retailers and so many of the really good ones now, I feel like are really style specific. So like if you like Article, for example, to me, Article is great. I love Article. But the thing is with Article, they very much fit into the mid-century modern, mid-century modern boho, a little bit Scandi. That's really it. They do Scandi well, mid-century modern well, and they do a little bit of boho. That's kind of their thing. Then, if you really like West Elm, well, West Elm tends to be a little bit more mid century modern mixed with clam. So it's a little bit more like some shiny brass and a little bit more some just little shiny objects. If you like contemporary, then CB2 is great. If you like organic modern, I would recommend Crate and Barrel. If you like farmhouse well then yeah maybe home goods is gonna fit your style right so so many if you like contemporary then Rove Concepts might work for you if you like Japandi Mm. you might want Sundays like if you like whatever there's so many different retailers that have just like they're quite style specific and they're really good if you like that style so I would say that if you know a little bit more about what your style is and you don't just kind of because if you're going to just shop for the most generic place you can go then yeah you can probably find something at home goods you might just end up with some baskets but like and some towels, but like you're gonna find something. But if you like to be a little bit more style specific than any of those other, there's lots of different retailers out there that tend to do a better job at targeting a specific style.
0: So actually, now, the for answer me, I've is got my that, own
1: style. Yeah, here's the answer. No, The your answer style is that it.
0: you need to watch all your videos on YouTube so that you understand the different style aesthetics, and then you talk to your mother-in-law, and then you pick one
1: yeah you basically have to just kind of like look at images that you really like look at style inspiration of things that you really enjoy start to hone in on something that makes a little bit more sense for you then figure out sort of what you know if you really like japanese zen then get a gift card to muji but if you like traditional don't get a gift card for muji because you're not going to find anything there it really just kind of depends on your style because i feel like that's a trend in retail right now is there's the, the the generic you know, Nordstrom, what else is there? Like, you know, like the Sears model of sort of like having everything for everybody all in one roof. It's kind of like Wayfair, right? If you want, that's basically the online retailer. If you want to go the most generic you can go where there's a little bit of something for everybody, kind of. Wayfair is the answer, or or Amazon or overstock, as you said, like or home goods. But if you are someone who's a little bit more focused on a particular style and you feel like, you know, you tend to gravitate towards a specific retailer, then that's your answer. And if you're me, well, then you pick style things that fit in with me, which is I like, you know, Sundays is one of my favorites or uh CB2. And like I would have no problem spending a gift card at cb2 like i would have probably not a problem but other people hate cb2 and would not want you know that gift card so yeah that's not a great answer but that is my answer
0: (laughs) well here's the thing um i am thoroughly convinced that i will never hire another interior designer for the rest of my life i can't afford it it's out of control i can't do it i learned a lot from nick I learned a lot about design commentary. So um, check out his page, it's very interesting. Check out especially his video about whites that we referenced many times during this interview because it was very helpful for me.